Human rights, constitutional rights, do they fit? Well, as we move to the concluding weeks of the crowdsourcing project, we have to confront this question of whether to include human rights, and if so, what sorts of rights? I'm joined today by a person ideally positioned to comment on this, the president of LSE's Students' Union, Nona Buckley-Irvin. So Nona, uh, I guess one of the first things you'd say is every constitution should have a right to education. Yes, completely. Um, education is an inalienable right in my view. Um, every child should have the right to education, every adult should have the right to education. Primary school, most people agree this is an absolute fundamental, which takes you through to about 11 or 12. Yeah. Secondary, well, when does it end? 16, we've opted in this country now. Secondary, you'd also include an inalienable yes. right to be educated. But then you also talked about adults and university. And here people are beginning to think sometimes this is pushing the constitution too far. Mm. I think it's really interesting because that comes down to resource constraints mm-hmm. um, and how people think that university should be funded. Um, you get certain advantages over people who don't go to university in terms of careers. And I think people see at that point it becomes an element of choice rather than a right. Whereas primary and secondary education, you're still in your development yeah. years. Yeah. However, university education is uh, still dominated by more middle class people. Mm-hmm. So the statement that it should be a right rather than a privilege is an important one to keep. Right. But the idea behind that then is to suggest, maybe state explicitly, a right you're entitled to without payment. Yeah, I, I believe you yeah. shouldn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of these mm. international rights in documents that are agreed by states and so on in the United Nations and so on. They have a sort of little bit which says you can have a right to this, a right to that, a right to the other, but this is only insofar as the country can afford it. Yeah. Would you put something like that in? Or do you think it's it's kind of so vital, it's like, well, to pick one maybe inappropriately, but it's, it's like a right not to be tortured, you know. There is an inalienability to it and an absoluteness. I think it's difficult because... Mm. Some people don't want to go to university, genuinely, it's not for them. So at that point, you know, do you have to make it a right for everybody? Um, with Regardless of, co- if there's cost implications, should you be making it a right for everybody when other people can't afford it? Yeah. Um, I still think it doesn't need that caveat, actually. I think the principle is very important, and if you can have it without the caveat of cost, then it remains a stronger point. Yeah, and then we need to imagine what a university or a secondary education is, because, mm. for example, we might say everybody has to be trained and everybody has to be skilled at that which they want to be proficient. And yeah. that could include a much more imaginative idea of what university entails than at present, doesn't it? Because university, I know you're a philosophy student, university isn't all just studying whoever it is, who is it, Immanuel Kant or somebody. University could be actually becoming a very good gardener, could it? Or is that yeah. pushing it too far? No, I don't think that's pushing it too far at all, because then you're getting into maybe forms of intellectual snobbery about what you classify as a degree. Exactly. You, know, you hear of the sort of like Hogwarts degrees and all of that. I mean, if someone wants to go and do it, I think the university is more than just about the degree. It's about the experience. It's another period in your life as a young adult. If you're a mature adult going to university, it's still another part of your life. So the growth that you get from being in an environment where you're surrounded by ideas and different people is really important and that's something in addition to the sort of core degree programme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that making this a constitutional issue is that it allows us to kind of imagine the kind of country we want mm. ourselves and our children to live in. There's a difference between wanting a law 
and then you fight for the law and you get the law and then people come later and they've changed the law because they have a different mm. point of view and there's democracy and so on. Difference between that and saying, I want this and I want it forever. Take the example of the right not to be tortured. I would imagine that people would want that to continue throughout the years. So then again, it goes back to education. Is it a right? Yeah. Um, and again, the way that it develops you, I think it absolutely is. I think people would probably be very happy to have a guaranteed right of primary education and secondary education, mm. probably. It's when it gets to the world you inhabit as a student yeah. and I inhabit as a teacher of students, it becomes something which is beginning to look like a choice based on money and the societies can make that choice depending on the circumstance they're in. But the constitution would drive it in perpetuity, which is attractive, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think it would shift that narrative. I think now the degree system has become about money, what, what your career prospects and people make choices to go to university or to not go to university yeah. on that basis. So again, I think an agreement that if you make it a constitutional right, you change that yeah. completely. And, you know, you'll change the nature of universities and how they work as well. Yeah. Do you find it extremely elite? Oh, I mean, LSE is extremely elite in terms of who comes here. I don't agree with that. Um, but then us as a community already, like me being part of it, I am part of the elite. We're one of the top, you know, three universities. We've got the privilege to discuss things like feminism, rights, mm. like this. You know, working people don't. <laughs> So we are, there's different levels of elitism here, like within the community itself and then the community and, and how it exists. One of the things that people think is really important in a constitution is mm. a guaranteed right of free speech. But on your watch here at LSC, you've had to deal with irresponsible free speech. We've had some clubs yeah. that have been handing around leaflets, which have not been hugely attractive speech. Is there a contradiction between, say, a commitment to free speech, free exchange of ideas that you mentioned a moment ago, and wanting to constitutionally protect on the one hand, and saying, I'm going to smash, it was, as you'll remember, the LSE rugby club. I'm going to smash the rugby club because what they're saying about women and others is offensive yeah. and disgusting. I mean, freedom of speech is a really interesting topic at the moment because for one group it will mean they're able to say whatever they want and then if someone else says something they are completely find it completely abhorrent and they don't value the freedom of speech so i think we really have to go to basics as what does freedom of speech mean i don't think freedom of speech means hate speech hate speech mm. is not conducive to an equal atmosphere it can perpetuate like serious injustices as it has done in the past and my fear with enshrining freedom of speech in the constitution is that there's no space for that distinction to be made mm -hmm. and so then you'll get people who do have you know not just abhorrent views but views that violate pe other people's right to live happily yeah. Yeah. pointing that and saying okay well that's my right i can say whatever i want would you put duties in the constitution do you think supposing you were the key person and mm. drove the whole thing a lot of people who kind of complain about rights say there isn't enough about duties. Everybody has duties as well as rights. Do you think there's sort of some credit there? There's... I think it's a difficult one to say because, I mean, depending on the government, you might feel like you don't owe anything to society, right? You might feel so disenfranchised. And what do you owe? You're born into society, you know, arbitrarily. It's not of your own choice where you end up. So to what extent should you be you know, forced to have duties. At the same time, I think it's important to have a sort of reciprocity between mm -hmm. the state and the individual. So things like the duty to vote, actually, 
if I was a politician, I'd probably make it like mandatory voting. Maybe you might be in favour of something like a right to welfare, a right to a home, uh, a right to benefits as a constitutional right. But yeah. linking that to duties, do you think there's something there or do you think those rights should stand alone? Uh, I think those rights should stand alone. I think you get down into a very dangerous narrative when you start linking the right to welfare to duties. A lot of people who get to the kind of position you've got to running mm. the student union, they go into politics. Do you fancy going into <laughs> politics? Well, someone the other day said to me that it's probably inevitable that I'm going into politics because mm. of my job and I'd like to study politics further. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I'm, I'm 21. Not at this age, for sure. Well, maybe when you get there, you'll find that there is an LSE-based people's constitution which will constrain your power and you'll rue the day that we ever created the momentum behind what became the new British constitution. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nonna. No worries, thanks.